Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, my friends, welcome to another episode. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you're new to the show, I'm Helen Denham. I'm a mindset mentor for women. And every Wednesday, I'm bringing you episodes like the one we've got today, awesome conversations with thought leaders, spiritual teachers, talking everything self-mastery, etc. So today we have Margarita Nazarenko joining us. You guys, I'm obsessed. I found her on TikTok like a month ago, and immediately I was like, how do I get her to come talk with us? She she's just the coolest. She talks a lot about, you know, lifestyle in general, but she really talks a lot about relationships and getting into healthy relationships and understanding our attachment styles and how we behave in relation to another person based on where we place our self-worth essentially. And what I found when I was watching her content, you know, she is talking a lot about relationships, but at the core of it, she's really talking about empowerment, especially for women and and being in our power in our beautiful feminine energy. So I'm really excited to be sharing this one with you all today. As you're listening, you can find her on Instagram and TikTok at margarita.nazarenko. I'll leave that in the description below. And as you're listening, if you feel like a friend might benefit from what you're hearing, please do send it along. Let us know what your takeaways are, what you're learning as you listen. I love you. I'm so happy that you're here and enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Question I always ask guests is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to in the morning? You know, I love this question. I listen to so many podcasts. I'm like, yes, listen to that routine. It's just so delicious. And then I had a child two years ago. He's two now. And I'm like, the routine resembles like an army getting up, running somewhere, things being thrown if I turn the camera around, I can see like 25 dinosaurs, like crazy things happening around me. And before I'm a very methodical kind of person. I like a coffee. I like this thing. I like, I've got my journal and morning meditations, but now it's get him off to wherever he's going. And that is, he's got several days with me. He's got several days at, um, care two days and then a day at his grandparents and on those days where he's gone I will then sit and have some kind of morning routine but when he's here I'm like did I even eat today (laughs) who who am I it's it's chaotic yeah it goes out the window so when you have a day alone what does that look like how do you center yourself or take time for yourself I have a I love a bullet journal Mm -hmm. I love to like habit stack so the three most important and then going down to whatever it is I need to do, I would even write down things like, um, you know, unload the, the dishwasher. I'm on that level of like, I just love a list. It just makes me feel so zen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love black coffee in the morning. I won't eat until like about 11. Just because, first of all, the child means that I don't want to put something in my body that wasn't intentional. Um, but secondly, I just like that morning energy. I feel like you've got cortisol in the morning naturally when you wake up. So you have a coffee and you just have this like energy. So I'll do a bullet journal. I love a gratitude journal, but I do that at night. Mm -hmm. And I just like to get in a space where the most energy I have for work and like emails and doing that kind of stuff is after he leaves. And then mid-afternoon, 
yeah, it's just not the same. Yeah, totally. How old are your kids, by the way? Do you have one or one. a couple kids? I have one, one kid, uh, kid mm-hmm. who's two years old, mm-hmm. who's okay. like got the energy of seven children. So <laughs> yeah, oh I w- I'm going to get curious to hear about what your journey into motherhood has been like, but I would love to, you know, hear more about how you built a mindfulness practice or even a spiritual practice. If you would consider that, have you, you know, been, been practicing for a little while to take care of your mental well being, or is this something that's kind of newer to you? Do you know what? It's been through um, trial and tribulation. I didn't grow up with any kind of spiritual practices as in religious. My family is not religious. I um, was born in the Soviet Union where religion was illegal and I moved to the UK when I was five years old. So I had no semblance of any kind of religion. You just know that, you know, there's a church and there's a God, but that's about as far as you know. I went to school in a Church of England school. I understood the whole religious education as as you would like a biography of somebody, mm. not as a practice. And then growing up, I was like, oh, what is this part of me that's like um, chaotic and missing and not grounded and just always reactive as opposed to active and the difference being a reaction. I like to think of it as you repeat the action based on a previous experience not necessarily react to that person but you reenact the action many times it's not based on any stoic thought of like I'm here and I want to get over there and therefore I will do this action it's just like I'm used to acting like this and I will keep doing it and then I discovered just the simplest book I think it was just Tony Robbins like get from where you are to where you want to be and there was like meditation in there and being grounded and understanding yourself. And I was like, wow, I'm 20, something around that age. And I'm just going through life like this, you know, fly in the house that keeps hitting every wall mm-hmm. and just reacting to everything. And I thought, okay, wait a minute, how do I function better? And then I started to dive into just self-development practices. And I loved it because it was just so grounding to me. My upbringing was chaotic, like moving countries, growing up without like a family unit, which is most people these days, but it's a little bit unstabilizing being an immigrant. I didn't speak the language for two years when I moved and it just gave me a lot of thought and time into self-perception and who I am and just who I want to be as opposed to acting like I always was, because essentially every action you make just based on childhood is not your authentic self. It's how you learned to manage in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's where it came from for me. Mm, I love how you're describing reactivity as a repetition of action over and over again, no matter really the consequence. And I think the, the practice that we get into is like being able to pull back, get objective and be like, oh, this is a pattern. Do I actually want to keep repeating this? And that seems to be the trick to actually bring awareness to it. Cause most people are going through life kind of zombie mode on, on what that looks like. Absolutely. So, and they don't, yeah. they think that that's their authentic selves. We're taught this big statement these days, just, just be yourself. What is just be yourself, yourself that you originally were meant to be yourself. That is the reactive self yourself as what yourself as to where you want to go. So past, present or future, which self are you being? Because for me, I essentially developed just from reading books like attached and about attachment style. I developed an anxious attachment style. My mom was often busy, often gone. You know, it wasn't through her fault or anyone's, but that's just the style that developed. Uh, and what I'd do when I met partners or friends, they'd do one thing wrong and I'd react. Mm. I'd run away somewhere, be like, fine, don't talk to me. 
And when I hear people or people I speak with or on my TikTok or clients, they'll be like, yeah, but that's a genuine mean. That's how I feel. I need to let them know that's how I feel. And I'm like, but wait, stop. Is that getting you to how do the people then listen to you when you react like that? Does everyone come around you and go, oh, my God, Amanda, are you OK? Like what's happening? No, they don't. They get scared by it and they go away. You're not getting the, the, the reaction that you want. You're not communicating your true self. You're just having a reaction. Mm. So that's not you. Mm-hmm. And when I got that through my head, I was like, oh my gosh. So, wow, that's just a reactivity and attachment style as opposed to any authentic self that I'm thinking I'm communicating. Yeah. And that is a very liberating um, feeling, isn't it? Because all of a sudden yeah. we realize that we actually have creative control. I'm also so curious to know about your, I know you were young, but your transition coming over from the Soviet Union into the UK, is that right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, into London. Mm-hmm. Into London. I, and do you remember much about that? What was that like? Do you know what? I now understand like children's resilience because I don't remember it, but I know I didn't speak the language for like two years. So where is that gap in my memory? I didn't even understand that I came to another country. Because when you're five, you're in that mind space where you understand reality, but not completely. Like, I'm not sure if you have memories from when you're five. It's not, you're not exactly eight years old mm-hmm. and you're not three where you totally don't remember, but you don't understand the time space like continuum you don't know it's a different country you don't know people speak a different language but I think it gave me a real sense of two things number one is individualism like I feel I literally say if I could package this and give it to someone I feel no peer pressure Mm -hmm. I feel no sense of like well what if they don't like me okay and I think that comes from just not even being able to control that when I was a child Like I couldn't even be liked if I wanted to because I didn't understand what they were saying. So um, you you develop this like deep, you either drown in it or you develop a sense of individual self, which stays with you through life. So I I think I got that. But um, it wasn't as traumatic as it sounds, but it definitely gives you a strange attachment style because you, you, you learn you're like by yourself, you're like an island. That is fascinating to hear you talk about that, like how that instilled confidence without even needing to really work for it. Because I was going to ask you, like what I find when I'm watching your videos and your content, you're talking a lot about relationships, of course, but what I really find in the depths of that, when I watch you is like self-mastery resilience and like empowerment for women. It almost has nothing to do with men. When I hear you talk about relationships, it has everything to do with your worth, your self-worth, which is funny. Well, I mean, we'll talk about your, the press that came out too. Cause I was like, you gotta funny. be kidding me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd love to so, hear you, your thoughts on that too, about just, I went into coaching, um, <clears throat> just before, uh, COVID started in 2019. And then I had a child in 2020. So I delved into that because I realized I had this grasp on confidence, uh, self drive, just like being in oneself, just because I developed it throughout life and just really worked hard at it. I was like, okay, so I want to learn more about this. And specifically for women, I don't know what it's like to be a man. Don't pretend to know. Maybe I'm closer to some men in personality than I would be to women and that's fine. But I feel I could speak to women and really connect. And I went on TikTok and um, I was like, let me just speak about it. And women seem to be interested in relationships because people come to things from a pain point. So right now he's ignoring you right now. He's being this way. And you're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Let me just grab TikTok and maybe someone will help me. But essentially what the message is underneath isn't relationships. It's relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. 
That's why when people say, oh, he's doing this thing and the other thing, he's looking at another woman, what do I do? The message I'm going to deliver isn't going to be leave him or don't leave him. That's not my business. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know where your livelihood comes from. I don't know how you feel. I don't know where your levels of, of, of your connection, self-perception, if you have children is. I cannot advise you that. I, I have not walked in your shoes. I don't know. But I know one thing, that before you make any decision, you need to completely build up who you truly are and then choose from there. That's why women write to me. But why didn't you say just leave him if he's looking at other women? Because I don't know if she should. But I know one thing that she should see herself differently. And if he's looking at another woman, she shouldn't start crying, flip the table and run away because that's not going to get her anywhere. Even if he leaves, you're going to always remember yourself as that crazy girl who went crazy. Who does that serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the point? Such a good you point. Essentially, if you develop yourself into who you want to be, you're going to make the choices you want to make. I don't even have to tell you mm-hmm. to make those choices. Yeah. And what I think your kind of holistic <clears throat> achievement here is, is that you're kind of unshakable, no matter what comes at you, it seems like, or when, when anybody's in that place of confidence and groundedness, like, I think it was funny to see, I think you just got a little press saying you're manipulating men, which you were able to make such a funny joke out of because anybody That's that funny. understands you is like, please. But it was cool to see you be able to like make a joke and handle press like that and just be like, whatever. Cause you know who you are. So it kind and of I mirrors also know the nature of life. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> totally it does. And I know the nature of life. What is press doing? Trying to sell press. That's their job. They go mm-hmm. home. They're just people. The irony of the joke was I wasn't manipulating men but perhaps the press got manipulated into writing it. But it also serves them because they get an article. Fantastic, everybody wins. Look, if they wrote something about me that was more personal about my family, it would be not something I would enjoy or make a joke out of. Mm -hmm. So, but with this, I don't feel I can be hurt by this. What people gonna, do you know how many men were writing to me? Like, how dare you manipulate men? I was like, oh my God, Clive, whatever your name is, please stop. (laughs) You're looking silly at this point. Well, the cool thing too, is I bet a lot of women came to you and, and then get the blessing of receiving your message, which is like so important. So it's like win-win. Okay. Yeah. We won. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm, I'm willing to, to have controversial titles, um, put Mm -hmm. on me if, if people get the message and that's, that's fine. I don't mind it. Totally. Um, yeah, that was just a quickie that I thought was fun to bring up with you, but I want to ask you, what is something that you get asked a lot by your audience? Like what do you, is there something that sticks out when you think of women writing to you in the comments or messaging you, <clears throat> what seems to be that big pain point that you're helping people navigate? You know, the one that I, that happens more than I ever thought, this is what ha- came to my mind when you just asked the question. So it's not the biggest one, but it's the one that stumps me the most is, um, when a woman is already with a partner and it's not something dire, like, um, you know, cheating, you know, abuse, something like that. It's just something super banal and super annoying. Like he doesn't take the trash out and it's literally eating her alive. Like she cannot live. She cannot breathe. She cannot do anything. It's disrespectful in every aspect of the word. Women lose their mind. Like when, they, when I speak about something like this, cause they're like, but he should, but he should, do you know what I don't like? Should. If we're looking at the world and it's reality and people say, oh, well, if we're working equally now, then men should, you know, take up half the housework, Uh, but they're not statistically, they're not. So what are we going to do? I want to save you your sanity. I also live with a man who's my husband. I am not the, the uh, most uh, orderly person in the world. I can easily let go if like my son is playing. I'm not going to walk around after him and pick things up. 
Why? Because I'm saving my sanity. I want to be the person who I want to be in the end. I don't want to be a micromanaging mother of my husband and child because I want things in a certain way. And what I try and communicate to the women is come out of this small situation and really look at it. Where has it gone wrong? Do we not know whose job it is? Is he really pathologically that disrespectful and insane where there would be five trash bags lining up outside your house? You have to borrow through them in order to get out where he'd be like, I don't care. Like, where has it gone wrong? Have you married? Are you this goddess who's married to this monster and he's abusing you with this with this trash situation? Like, what's happening? Where's your communication breakdown? If he really can't do it, what is he doing? Where is the relationship not fair? We need to like really back it up and, and look at him as a human being and not as a competition of who does more, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to get into the deeper layers of like, there. you can nitpick about anything. So it almost sounds like you got to figure out what battles I guess you want to pick or what, again, what you're saying, like, where are you going to lose your sanity or just hold your strength? And like, what is worth your happiness? Is it, it does it really matter if the trash isn't getting taken out? But mm-hmm. that seems the deeper layer there might be like, it seems like a feeling of disrespect from the partner. Yeah. So how do you, how do you navigate that when you're feeling <clears throat> like you're being disrespected, I guess? You know, I had situations, I'm, I'm a human being. I have situations like this and I, I, I like to model it on myself. Like what happened? My husband takes off his socks wherever he's standing and there will be these two disrespectful socks everywhere. <laughs> and it was for years. And I was like, why can't you just put them away? Why are you doing this? And he's like, I'm trying. And it was like this battle. And I was like, wait, stop. This cannot be happening. This is an intelligent person. I otherwise respect him in life. Why am I going on about his socks? And I just thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take liberties and other things. I'm not going to wash my car. I said, could you wash my car for me? For example, I can hear him washing the car downstairs. So it's an example. (laughs) I'm going to save my sanity in other ways. I'm going to have my son, um, let's say, go to his grandparents for a day, which is my husband's parents. So I can do those chores. And I, I said to him, you know, the reason it's upsetting me is because I feel when you take them off, it's like, oh, she'll just pick them up. And the act of just bending down and picking them up is like a disrespectful thing to me. Do you know what happened when I stopped nagging him about them? Mm. Suddenly they're not around. Where are they? I freed up space to wash these socks, but they're now gone. It's almost like when you communicate to somebody on a real, authentic, non-reactive human level and be like, okay, I understand. You cannot take out the rubbish. You cannot pick up these socks. I don't know what the reason is, but I respect you as a, as a clever and intelligent human being. Mm-hmm. let's swap tasks. I'll do something else. You do something else. Yeah. That seems like such a logical <clears throat> way to move through that because I remember in relationships, I'm single now, but like, I would assume that my partner would be able to read my mind and I would get really frustrated if he couldn't just read my mind, like he should know. But, yeah. uh, it, it was always very helpful to just communicate. Like you're saying, like, this is, this is, you know, ideally your best friend that you're talking to at the end exactly. of the day. Mm-hmm. And if a girlfriend that you were living with was acting like this, you wouldn't nag her. We just don't do that to friends. Mm-hmm. We go, oh, babe, like, I don't know. It's, it's happening. Like, what should we do? Like, this is upsetting. You know what I mean? Like we work through. And also I don't mean to be, um, I always like to give women ownership because when I have ownership, I feel like I can move through a situation. The amount of times that men go on at women for things that women don't do is a lot less than women do. I mm-hmm. see that some things I do will annoy my husband and he'll just see it and walk away. I don't know. Maybe there's something to learn from men because they are good at that. They're good at accepting you for who you are. 
unless they're a controlling pathological person, men see you as who you are and are kind of good at accepting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this kind of brings us into a potential theme to talk about, which is, I might call it divine masculine or divine feminine, but the natural flow of feminine energy and masculine energy. And of course we live in this fluid age where you can be, you know, whoever you want to be, but there is something, um, integral to owning your, your feminine power and owning your masculine power and where we have our needs met based on a really primal level. So can you touch on that a little bit about like masculine energy, feminine energy, and how to marry those two so that everything's kind of working? I think men will often, um, or the masculine will often um, naturally rebel against another masculine telling him what to do. That happens in work. That happens in sport. And when a woman is in her maternal kind of dictating the home, you pick this up, you do this, bring this at this time. I said the bins need to be out by seven. That's a masculine energy of like very directional and forceful. And what the man will do is rebel, hence the socks, hence the rubbish. In, in, in a lot of situations when you're in your feminine and you ask from a genuine place and you say, I'm genuinely tired and, or I genuinely don't know why you do this. And you just sit back and go, do you know what? It's going to be what it is. They step up and it's such a hard place to navigate because everyone is scared. Well, if I step back into my feminine, then he's going to fully take advantage of me. Well, I say this, don't you want to know if he will? Don't mm-hmm. you want to know if you're living with Eric, I always give them names for practical <laughs> purposes. If you really let go and you step back in your feminine and you go, sweetheart, I trust you to treat me the way that I deserve to be treated without telling you constantly and nagging you and attacking you. Don't you want to see if he can step up or you're subscribing for a life full of managing a man? Maybe mm. if you, maybe if you relax into your feminine and see what he's actually offering one of two things will happen. He will step up and you will see wonderful things about him that you didn't even know. Or you will say, oh, wow. Hmm. I was just liking his potential as opposed to who he actually is. Huge. Oh my goodness. I love this. I was just remembering a conversation I was having with my dear friend yesterday. She was having a big conversation with her partner about, you know, he has trouble expressing his love for her. And she finally said to him, you know, I need to know that you're choosing me on purpose. And I thought that was so powerful of her and so brave of her because she opened up this potential to lose the relationship, to lose everything just by stating her needs. And I just really acknowledged her. I was like, that's you just in your power. Like, and exactly like you're saying, like vulnerability is so powerful from a woman. My Mm -hmm. God. And it's It's like, so so in our feminine, which is receiving. So I love the example Mm -hmm. that you just gave, like saying, you know, instead of nagging him saying I'm tired because it it seems Mm -hmm. to open up him to be able to take care of you and be a caretaker and fix the problem instead of being told what to do. And say, Mm -hmm. you know, I I'm struggling. I'm, I don't know why you're refusing to do this and I'm not going to try and figure it out, uh, but I'm going to leave it to you. And people Mm -hmm. say, oh, ultimatum. No, it's not. It's naturally saying that when the feminine isn't in flow, it will flow away from the situation. So I'm going to actually observe you now and you're going to show me who you truly are. And then I'm not even going to make a decision about being with you or not. It's going to be made for me energetically. Okay, popping in for a moment to chat with you about my mentorship offering. This is a private one-on-one seven-week series with me that is designed for the woman who is ready to change her life. It's for the woman who is ready to feel safe and grounded, clear on what she wants and exactly how to get there, 
the woman who feels confident in her power and able to express, release emotion and becomes optimistic about what's to come. And we really get you there. We help you to create a new paradigm using habit and routine formation. We explore the subconscious deeply. We activate your highest self and we lean into shadow and alchemize and release that stagnancy, any density that's built up there. Most importantly, we create a space of unconditional compassion, of safety for you to navigate the depths of your experience and to take a look at those triggers and what has been holding you back so that you can create a life that feels like heaven on earth. And I'm at a point now where I have seen such radical change in the women that have come through this container that I guarantee your life will change in a profound way. And to my pleasant surprise, I've actually been working with a lot of women who are budding coaches and mentors themselves. So that's been such a blessing and a pleasure to be be of service in that way. I have other women who are with me to simply work on their spiritual growth and dig deeper into who they are as a human being and a spirit having a physical experience. And I have some women who are just navigating big life changes who need support. So if this sounds like you, if this is feeling like this is your call forward to up level in your life and really blossom, especially, you know, in this new season that we find ourselves in, you can just go to my website, HelenDenham.com, and you will find that you can book a free 30-minute power session with me to get to know one another and determine if this is in alignment for you. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Back to the episode. Yeah, because then you just become a match to the standard that you've set, and either he matches it or he doesn't. Oh, but then he won't do anything. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Then he's not for you. If he's not naturally wanting to do these things for you, but also I I always say to be careful with women, because sometimes how somebody serves you in your feminine is not necessarily how you might want to be served. Some men kill themselves at work uh, thinking they're providing for the family, but that's not the partner you wanted. He might be perfect for somebody else. But sometimes I say, you know what, if you actually notice what he does, you can amplify it. Mm. If you go, oh, I see you've done that. I see you've done this. Wow. You know, the, the role of feminine support is often misunderstood to me when you look at just uh, male and female in the Carl Jung sense, um, the support of the feminine amplifies the masculine energy in a way that it can make you so much more successful in what you're doing. Like I witness you, I see your masculinity and I try and explain this on TikTok, but it's very hard because I probably need to do it in a more long format way. But the role of what we can give each other, this hideous, what do you bring to the table scenario Whenever anyone writes that, what do you bring to the table? I just write, I bring pickles. Do you like pickles? Because <laughs> right. what are we talking about? You mm-hmm. stupid, stupid people. Um, what we can only bring to the table now that we've got this world that's hugely developed. We don't, now don't need a man to necessarily protect us physically. And we don't need a woman to cook our meal while we're out hunting. What we can give each other is the polarity, femininity and masculinity. So a man can cook for himself, right? Let's just use cooking as an example. Hmm. He can go and get a takeaway. He can go out to a restaurant with his friends. But if you cook for him, you're adding femininity to it. And I'm just using that as an example. I know it's generic for women cooking, but, you know, let's just use it. Mm-hmm. You could Femininity, adding that to it is saying, sweetheart, what do you feel like eating? I know you like this. Let me make it for you. Do you want some water with that? And that feeling for him of like, oh, my God, you know, I've done something. And now she, she sees me and she's there for me and vice versa masculinity you know you can you can take out the trash yourself come on don't be ridiculous but the fact that he's like no no stay inside it's cold let me do it is adding masculinity and purposefulness to your feminine 
Hmm. And it's just being that, that is what we can give each other mm-hmm. from my point of view. But Can I ask you mm-hmm. how you met your husband and, and mm-hmm. how you guys have upheld like a, a relationship that feels so good? Um, I'm not an easy person to be with. The reason I know all this stuff is because I've had to just work on myself. I um, did Jordan Peterson's personality test. Have you ever done that one? I don't think so, but I want to do it. It's so interesting because he talks a lot about polarity and -hmm. it's the five personality traits. One of them is agreeableness. um, And women are classically way more agreeable than men. And agreeableness consists of compassion and politeness. So you do that and it gives you a scale of 100 people in the room. Are you going to be out of compassion? Are you going to be zero or 100? And I come 77th. I'm very high in compassion. Okay. So I see someone, I understand how they feel. On the politeness scale, I come at 4%. (laughs) 4%. That's a very masculine personality. Most women come 50 and above. But politeness, it doesn't mean like, oh, hello, thank you very much. I'd like this. Thank you. It means um, looking at authority and seeing them as authority and um, succumbing to authority just means you've got no sense of kind of, like I said, I don't feel peer pressure. I don't feel sense of authority. I don't feel intimidated by people very often. And it's not because I think I'm great. It's just not a sense in my head. You're born with it, right? So that scale of politeness is hard to navigate and be in the feminine. Why do I talk about it is because I'm like, oh my God, when I'm in my feminine, I get what I want from my man, hence the manipulate not just from my husband now, but from partners I've been with. I realized that um, I can be very masculine in my work and I like to be. Mm. If somebody was to, something was to happen in my son's daycare, I would go in there with masculine energy because I'd want to find out what, when, how, what am I going to do about it? I wouldn't go in my feminine energy. We have both polarities in our body. And I grew up with a single mother. Trust me, I know how to be my masculine, you know? Mm -hmm. She is very much in her masculine, but I had to learn this. So when I met my husband in 2012, we met in London and then he moved to Australia to work. I came back and forth a couple of times. And then I said to him, you know, ultimatum as they call it, but it's not to me. I said, look, I'm not going to keep traveling. It's 24 hours um, unless you want to have a serious relationship. Mm -hmm. And he took that to me unless we get married. So he proposed, I was like, fine, you do you. (laughs) You know what I mean? I didn't specify it like that, but I'm genuinely, uh, that's, that to me is also a feminine um, request. I know my standards and I'm not going to keep traveling. Why? Because I'm going to lose my work. I'm going to lose my job. I can't be so uprooted. So unless you want to be serious, I might visit you once a year. And I said to him, I actually said this, I said, no hard feelings. I'm not going to be upset if you're like, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. Women are so upset about ghosting or a guy not, you know what? He made his choice. He's nobody to you. He doesn't owe you anything. Who is he? just some person. He didn't promise you anything. Yes. You, I think have a little bit of a superpower there. Uh, that sounds like came from childhood because I think like a lot of us have grown up or we grew up in households or something where we got beliefs instilled into us that we're not good enough or like abandonment becomes really scary. Has there ever, ever been a situation where you've had trouble getting over a guy like a breakup or, or how did you heal from that? Or what allowed you to move I... through it with ease? I, my ex-boyfriend cheated on me. We had a house and cats together. Cats being like kids, you know, when you're playing house, mm. um, you know, oh, these are our babies. And yeah. he was, um, he ended up cheating on me, but I left him because it's just, it, I don't know. I'm so grateful he did now. I'm like, thank you because I don't want to be in that situation. But I did all kinds of madness. I tell my friends this story where he was closing up his uh, restaurant. 
he was a manager of a restaurant and we were all meant to go and meet up in a bar with him and his friends. And I said, I'm going to come and meet you at the restaurant and then we'll all go together in an Uber or a taxi. I don't remember what it was. And then I arrived and they were all already gone and the restaurant was shut. He didn't even tell me. Mm. Like right on my head, like idiot, like, come on. Like the guy doesn't like you. Stop. What do I do? Get a taxi myself, go to the bar, stand at the other side of the bar, pretending that I'm just there. And I didn't even know trying to be cool girl. Yuck. Why? Then he sees me and he's like, oh yeah, I didn't know where you were coming. And I'm like, whatever, acting all like passive aggressive, but ridiculous at the same time. And then obviously we have a fight and all these things. Now, if I saw that closed restaurant, number one, I wouldn't even go without him saying where they are. If I closed that, saw that closed restaurant, I'd be like, this person doesn't, what am I investing my energy for? Mm-hmm. They're not some kind of deity who we, we give people this power to, to, to um, let you know whether you're worth something or not. You have to give yourself that power. I wanted to come to where he is so that he could affirm in my head, essentially that's what's going on psychologically, that I am worth something. I wanted him to see me and go, oh, thank God you're here. Oh my gosh. I didn't want to risk going home and um, him not calling me again because I don't think we were living together at that point and it not working. Uh, you grasp at strings when you want the validation from somebody else. Mm. You become superhuman when you get the validation from yourself. hundred percent. I think that's like something that... Um people can get easily hung up on, even if it's, if it's not a partner, if it's like a job that they lost or something, or just realizing that's where the trust fall I find is, and just building that faith for lack of a better term, like that everything's going to work out for you as you stay in your power, but that can be almost tempting. It's like, I I guess that's where suffering comes in. You know, it it surpasses pain into like a repetitive loop. And I guess that was what we're talking about at the very beginning, like pulling back and realizing where we're repeating those habitual patterns that are actually self-harming, but like, where are you going? It's, um, Carl Jung says it's hedonism versus, um, stoicism. So hedonism is very much enjoying this earth and just living it to the fullest and having a validation in the moment. Stoicism is knowing where you want to go. That's not the whole truth, but like basically, and acting in a way that will get you there. So this man who doesn't want me, but I'm chasing him around, I'm living in a hedonistic space where he might see me and like me and I'll feel, thank God he's liked me and I feel good in the moment. Stoicism is being like, Okay, so if I keep chasing this guy, he's going to make me over time feel worse and worse about myself, end up cheating. And if I stay worse and worse and worse, and then eventually what's going to happen? I'm going to not live a life that I want to live. So losing him in that moment is way better than stoicism in that case is like, okay, I might lose him now, but do I want 10 years of this? Mm. That's so major because I I love that thinking because at the end of the day, if we're going to enter into a marriage with somebody, I think you were talking about this recently, like Mm -hmm. it's it's like a business partnership and it's so much bigger than the lust and the the initial spark. Can you talk more about that too? Just like the the long-term nature of it. I had a lot of comments when I said, don't marry for love. It's more like a business partnership. They were like, oh my God, patriarchy. First of all, I can't, I cannot focus on something that is so abstract to me and it ruins my life. I'm not fighting against the patriarchy in my everyday life. There's women in countries who are actually fighting the patriarchy, yeah, Mm -hmm. and systems that they live in. Me right now, 
when I'm talking about marriage and to my husband, who's not ruling over me, it's not patriarchy in any sphere. I'm not trying to rebel against something. I, I don't like to operate in that way. Do you know what I mean? From a victim mentality. So for me, it's like, I, I really sat down and I was like, I want to choose a partner who has qualities further than, of course, I love him. Of course, I find him attractive. Do I need to say that online? It's obvious, right? I wouldn't marry him otherwise, but nor would I marry a man who I just find attractive and love. What is love? What is that? Isn't love an action as opposed mm. to a feeling? Because feelings can really lead you astray. So if you're going to open a business with somebody and you really like your friend, you love your friend, your best friends, you want to open a jewelry company, but she's, you know, irresponsible, is not good with money, has no ideas about the business, doesn't know where she wants to go. Why would you open a business with her? It's no coincidence that a marriage contract is a contract. Date, date him then, just date him. But why are you going to put yourself through that suffering of, of having a contract, putting children in there, and then you're going to go crazy? You will go crazy. I you just haven't assessed that person. Totally. That is so profound to me, what you just said. Like, love is an action. It's not a feeling. Like, mm. wow. Yes. I haven't Can heard you it repeat put in those that terms. action mm-hmm. many, many times over. Because let me tell you, when you have a child <clears throat> or when you go through things, I had foot surgery. I was in a boot harder than even having a child in a relationship because you become like essentially useless and you have to be served you know for six months in a boot and we had a baby so it was hard on us and my husband but it's like can you get through those things because if you're not making loving actions then it's it's not love anymore or what's Mm. what's happened Mm -hmm. totally um my sister says, I need to ask you because I'm single and I'm very hesitant to use <clears throat> dating apps. Do you have any advice oh for people that are just not interested in dating apps, but are like single on the scene? Like what's a good way to meet somebody? Do you find, let me ask you this. What's your, um, what are your hobbies? I know women don't actually have hobbies, hobbies. Like we don't collect stamps, but like, what do <laughs> you like to do? Um, let's see. I love, um, taking really long walks, going to the farmer's market. I love being outside. I play music. So I'm, I'm always going to concerts. I'm always at coffee shops. So, um, that's usually where I think I'm going to run into somebody probably at a coffee shop. That's where I met the last guy I dated for a little while. Um, yeah, but I have a, how do you approach them? I don't, this is the, (laughs) this is the issue. I think I honestly need to like somehow energetically turn on a light. That's like, I am available. Like, because Mm -hmm. I think I don't do that. Yes. I say, and this is like, I I probably kick myself in the butt with this, but like, hopefully my husband doesn't leave me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty cool. So he probably won't, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not single for very long because I like a relationship dynamic. And when I go out, I literally look at people and I, I'm pretty, you're very pretty. And Mm. so I'm pretty full on with like, if I like someone, I will give them signals that I like them. I'll smile at them. I will look at them. I've never dated on an app. I don't like it. I, it makes me worried about why is that person on an app? And that's a judgment and it's not real. Um, But that's how it makes me feel. Mm. And I just, for me, I like wine. I'd probably go to a winery. It's just about going to where you want to be and being in that kind of like open and receptive space because also you're, you're an attractive woman for guys kind of intimidating. So you're going to have to make mm. the first move by that. I don't mean like, hi, what's your name? But like, yeah. In a coffee shop. Do you mind if I just, can you watch my jacket? I just need to make a phone call. Mm. 
Mm, oh, I like that. Okay. This is helpful because for sure, the last time I started dating, I literally just looked at him and I think I'm hesitant mm-hmm. to even make eye contact, but that is really powerful to just straight you know up. How look I met at my somebody. husband. Huh? We were at a, at a, at an event. I um had a background in stage acting. That's how I started. I think I learned a lot of the confidence and like presence from stage mm-hmm. so um <clears throat> there was an opening of a play or something and I was in a room my best friend was a photographer of everybody so when everybody came on the red carpet or whatever she had to take photos and I see this guy who's now my husband sitting in the corner brooding you know by himself thinking I'm like that's the person I like because I don't like the guy who's coming home talking to everybody mm-hmm. why is he in the corner why is he by himself I come to my friend I'm like Natalie I'm gonna walk past him and you're going to come with your camera and be like, okay, you two, I need a photo. And she's like, okay. So I walk past and she's like, okay, guys, everyone, um, you two, you need a photo. She, she makes him get up and do a photo on like the wall that was next to him. Yeah. And then she goes and I'm like, oh, so funny. Photos. <laughs> uh, so that was orchestrated by me. So he didn't see me first. He didn't notice me first. But um, if I was going to leave it up to the guys who would notice me first and come up to me, I, I would think that kind of man probably comes up to a lot of people I want I like a quieter type I like a more introverted type that's the type I like so I'm, I'm gonna have to facilitate it of course I didn't then <clears throat> keep hanging around with him I just said a few words and then I walked away and then he was at the bar and he's like oh can I get you a drink but I gave him that like I'm friendly I'm not gonna bite you yeah. Okay. This is like kind of paradigm shifting for my brain because I'm, I'm usually like expecting men to come up to me and I want them to, but, um, even just, just opening up my energetic space to invite them in or to ask, I love the asking a favor, ask them for favor. help, ask them for advice, help advice, help advice, or say, Oh, this place is a bit weird, which is essentially like, if you don't have a Natalie with you with a camera, I would have come up and I would have given him my bag and jacket. And I would have been like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, you're just sitting here. I just need to go and get a drink from my friend could you just watch this mm. because straight away it puts the man into his masculine I'm helping her mm-hmm. and you know what even if he's married or taken it, essentially he will just have done you a nice thing you are not out there saying I like you marry me you know mm-hmm. it's not strange but you're asking somebody or advice like oh do you know where da-da-da is or you know mm-hmm. and then they they feel your energetic openness and they're like oh okay I might talk to her I would be really intimidated because you know what women give as much as we hate to say it, but women give men the validation of biology. The whole essence of woman being nature is a woman is judging biologically whether you are viable to reproduce. As heavy as that sounds, yeah. but it is. That's why men, like when they're not mating or with a mate, biologically speaking, their testosterone levels go way up. You know, the whole level of hypergamy thing where women would date um, the top tier of men and the rest are left behind. If a lot of men don't have partners, that's when violence goes up and everything like that. Mm. So for a man to come up to a woman who's um, beautiful and he feels he can't have, it's way more challenging than we can even imagine. Okay, great. This is just a big old permission slip for (laughs) everybody listening to, to just like be okay with that. And that that's probably really attractive to them. I would think to, to have something come up to them, just float through life. And you know, what's going to happen. See yourself as somebody who's, even if that man never comes and talks to you again, or even if he isn't that attractive practice with just a random guy, just practice, because you know what, you're going to make his day that Mm. you saw him. Men don't get seen. You know what I mean? Like on dating apps, only 4% of women swipe, right? Men Mm. are in this 
feeling of like they don't even know how to be around women or practice talking to women and for women they're a bit scary because you know what we see in the news is like man attacks somebody or it's just like not a good place so just practice with random men and if someone you don't find so attractive asks you on a date go on one date it doesn't matter mm-hmm. for practice because it will amplify your it will amplify your femininity yeah because you'll yeah. see in his eyes how wonderful you are mm-hmm. and he'll get some practice so win-win you know what I think um is is my issue and I am sure a lot of other people too is I'm more afraid of losing my freedom um and the intensity mm-hmm. that a relationship brings in so sometimes I wonder like why would I even I don't want one I don't even want to be in a relationship I want to be alone uh, I don't mm-hmm. want a man in my house <laughs> I get it but, but, um, I get it yeah uh, my mom was a single parent my grandma was a single parent and I uh the days when my husband leaves the house I'm like oh my god he's gone yes I'm alone. I get to <clears throat> be in my space, but um, essentially everything is a sacrifice. You will sacrifice something no matter what you have. Mm-hmm. If you have freedom, you will sacrifice closeness, companionship, and somebody to be there for you if you need them to be. Um, you will probably sacrifice having children. I don't know if you, that's something you're willing to sacrifice. Um, mm-hmm. I decided I wasn't sure in my twenties if I wanted to have kids. And then suddenly I was like, no, no, I want to live the female experience to its fullest. I'm going to have at least one. I want to yeah. see what this is like. I want this expansion. I want to see where this takes me because essentially if you're not growing, if you're not moving in nature, you're stagnating. Okay. And so I'm not saying people stagnate when they don't have children, but mm-hmm. what are you doing then? Are you going to do something amazing? Are you going to go like save orangutans? Mm-hmm. Because then if you don't want to have children for that reason, fantastic. But how, what's the purpose? What's the reason? And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like, okay, you've gained freedom, but you'll also lose. I hadn't thought and about if, it like that. <clears throat> but if but if you do partner up with somebody and you lose your freedom, you'll win. So mm-hmm. you'll lose or win whatever you do. That's just life. Yeah, totally. And I guess there's a way, there's absolutely a way to bring in a partner that gives you that freedom in the relationship itself. So it's not really a rational fear to have. I have a mm. huge amount of freedom in my relationship because my husband is very, 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 I was going to say self-centered. That's the wrong word. Self, uh, motivating self-driving we could easily spend I had a friend who was so jealous of me for this she's like oh my god I cannot my boyfriend's coming over. I've got to watch a movie with him tonight and I go me and my husband haven't like watched a movie or done dinner for like five nights because I've been doing my thing he's been doing his thing but then we'll go on a date it's almost like dating um you have to find a partner who suits you in that way I'm very mm-hmm. I'm an only child I'm very self kind of driven as well so we both have that mm-hmm Oh, I love that's very expansive for me to hear. Absolutely. I've I felt like a little bit guilty. I love working. I just like I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. I would be doing podcasts and writing all day yeah. if I could. And so I don't want people taking me away from that. But there I'm sure there's a, a match to that. And then I'm yes. I find myself I'm at the place where I think you were in your your 20s. I'm not sure if I want to have children or not. I always teeter on that. I'm like, so how did you come? I guess you kind of explained it how you came to that decision. And, and what you? is Can I ask you? I'm 29. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the age where I decided that I do want them. Yeah. Um, at 29, I got pregnant for the first time because I was doing this crazy thing where we I got married and I was like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to. And I was like, okay, let's not, let's not use contraception once and see what happens. And then I was like, <laughs> oh my God, big mistake. Let's not do that again. I got pregnant the first time. Oh my God. Yeah. Serendipitous. But it was a twin pregnancy, which didn't end up happening. It didn't work out. But from having that loss, which at the time wasn't as tragic as it was a realization that, oh man, this isn't like this thing where quick, everyone wear a condom, 
everyone's going to get you pregnant, you know, like, oh my God, kids, you know how we get taught at school that, you know, it's just very, very serious. Yeah. I was like, you know, life is fragile. It might not happen. It might not work out or it might work out. There is all this like ebbs and flows to it. And in the three months that, or two months that I was pregnant or thought I was, or it was happening, I was like, there was an expansion of my like being where I thought, who am I going to be in this aspect? Do I want to stay in the aspect that I'm in forever? How expansive is that going to be for me? Am I going to get bored? Um, <clears throat> do I want to see myself in the role of somebody's mother? Mm-hmm. So then I thought, yeah, I do. That's what made me realize that pregnancy made me realize that, wow, even in those two months, something shifted. Mm-hmm. So do I want to stay in the paradigm I am, now, I am in now? What, what am I going to do with my life? Or, or would I like to experience actually working and having children? I was like, yeah, that sounds challenging. I like a challenge. I want to mm-hmm. do that one. And so it was about three years after that I actually decided to have a child. I had him at 32, um, at 33. Uh, but it, it took three years from that first pregnancy. But it, it, that's what changed it, I think, because mm-hmm. I saw the shift in myself. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Yeah. So you wanted to feel the full experience of what your, your body, your energy, your spirit was even capable of. It sounds like, yeah. 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 And I want then to know what it's like to love a child. I want to know, I want to know mm-hmm. what it's like to, to grow a human being. I want to know. And Oh my God, I'm not going to tell you the cliche of like, you'll never love something like that. Obviously mm-hmm. um, seeing the world through a child, my God, that is, that is an expansion that you don't even understand. Like until you do it, it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's not for everybody. It's yeah. major sacrifice. I, mm. Most of my girlfriends don't have children because I gravitate towards women who are naturally masculine energy, want to work, want to achieve all those things. Why I talk about feminine energy so much in a relationship is because it's hard for me to, you know, go there. Mm-hmm. But I want to expand. I want to be more feminine in my relationship. I want to have a child. I want to do it all. I'm a bit greedy like that. So that's, that's where the choice comes from. And also I um, understand that there's three major relationships in your life, your mother, your partner, and your children. Mm-hmm. Three big life stages. Your parents is your first like 20 years. You're battling with your parents. <clears throat> they don't get you. You love them. Clash. Then your partner is like you're building this for 20 years, you know? And then there's the children. I'm not sure if I want to miss out on one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I wanted to miss out on one. So I'd rather do it than not. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, that's where like the confusion is, I think. So you'd rather just do it than miss like the, the, the potential of what could have been in mm-hmm. that amazing experience that you could have had. And yeah. it's really cool to see like you having such wonderful success right now with a little, little baby running around, you know, and you, it's not, it seems like you're managing it with so much grace and like, it's been ex- exciting been for more you. Successful in my life after I had him. Because mm-hmm. there is an expansion that happens in women. You know, when women flip a bus off, the, off their child yeah. because their child's got like a, stuck under a gate and they can flip a bus off them. If you want to, it, it will give you more power. Yes. Okay. I love that. Beautiful. Margarita, I'm so grateful for you. I could ask you questions for another hour, but I don't want to take all your time. Okay. If, if people want to work with you, if they want to collaborate with you, is that an option? Can they, can they apply to work with you somehow? So at the moment I am, I signed to management. So I'm going to be starting a podcast with them. If they help me, like you said, I can need to start one. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to be, I'm in the process of writing a book. Um, and I'm opening a one-on-one coaching in December. So. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, lucky ducks, whoever gets in there with you is fantastic. Yeah. I, I want to 
get, bring my full energy to that. And I have so many people on the waiting list and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do it until I feel that I can give you attention. 100%. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you just gave me a whole session here. Just having you me ask so? you questions. Oh yeah. Like this is just to have you mirror back. Have you had and- a mind shift? I have had a mind shift. Yeah. You gave me a different way of looking at things, which I think people come to mentors and coaches for is like to change their mind somehow, you know, give them a different perspective that makes sense, you know, and to be an example of that. I find that people come to us for our energy at the end of the day. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And as always, everything mentioned is linked in the description below. And final note on my end is that I'm running full moon circles every month, which is so exciting. It's the perfect opportunity for us to come together as sisters and community as we navigate the different cosmic energies at play. So I'll take us through an oracle card reading. We'll do journal prompts together. And then I'll take you through a guided hypno journey, which is like a beautiful visualization journey for about 30 minutes. So come in your comfy clothes, light a candle, bring your journal and just get ready to have a really nice time together. Um, I'll leave the link in the description below for the next one. And if you have any questions or just want to chat and get in touch, I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and at the lifted podcast. Okay. Thank you so much for being here and I will talk to you on the next one. Bye for now.